Welcome to More Than a Refresh, a podcast about data and the people who wrangle it, or conversations with the most interesting people you've never met. Today we are recording from Astoria, Queens, Vail, Arizona, and Oakland, California. Our guest today is Cooper Quinton, Senior Staff Technologist at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, that is the EFF. We're not going to let him introduce himself because we have got some fantastic news. Meta actually put its users first. For those that don't know, Meta is the huge conglomerate that believes the metaverse is going to take over the world. They're wrong. Uh, who owns Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and you know basically knows everything about you, including what kind of underwear you order on the internet. But first, before we get into this, remind our audience, Cooper, just a little bit, 30 seconds, what's your background? Who are you? Why do we love you and this hair? <laughs> Hi, JD. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, this is, this is my uh, SJW hair. Um, my, my, uh, social justice pink for, for, for those of you who are listening to this audio medium. Um, and yeah, uh, I am Cooper Quinton. I am a senior staff technologist with the electronic frontier foundation. I've been with EFF for nine years now. Um, I work on a number of things there, uh, primarily on our threat lab, but I also work on encryption, um, malware and many, many other things. Um, and electronic frontier foundation is, uh, we've been around for over 30 years now. We defend civil liberties and human rights as they intersect with technology. And we have a focus on us and also the, the entire world. That's a great intro. I'd also like to remind folks that one of the reasons that EFF is great and why you should donate is, yes, they are a nonprofit and they do good, but they are also willing to stick it to the man. They're not afraid of suing things like the FBI. And that's actually how they started when the FBI, again, once again, probably never, for all eternity, violates civil rights and, you know, tore apart an office of a game company, of all things, because they didn't even understand the simplicity of a game versus actual cyber warfare. Look, look if you're looking for more information on that, look into the history of Steve Jackson games. You're not going to believe that the FBI had the audacity and felt the need to basically go after Dungeons & Dragons players. It was just that simple. But more importantly... Meta just announced something of great importance to the users that some in the authoritarian regimes are fretting about. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on that, Cooper? Yeah. So what Meta announced last night is that they are going to be supporting end or rolling out end-to-end -end encryption by default for all Messenger users over the next uh, uh, few months. So this includes, you know, Facebook uh, on the web, as well as the Messenger app, also messenger.com, which I think like five people use. Um, over the over the course of the next few months, all of those- I didn't even know it existed. Getting, yeah, I didn't know it existed either until I started researching this. Um, anyway, all of those people will be getting end-to-end -end encryption by default. And the end-to-end -end encryption uh, is the is the same end-to-end -end encryption based on the signal protocol that Messenger has had for a couple of years now. Um, the big change is that it's going to be the default. So that's great. It's going to protect the, you know, by default, protect the privacy of over a billion people. 
to for some reason use now whatsapp also it's using the same modified version of whatsapp's signal encryption right yeah so whatsapp and and messenger which are both owned by meta the two largest chat apps in the world which is its own problem um both of them use a slightly modified version of the signal protocol and we as now, crypto in oh and in in the cryptography community we feel really good about the signal protocol we think it's the best cryptography that we currently have for messages and it's really solid it's been looked at by a lot of cryptographers and really happy that this is being used now to protect the 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 messages of of billions of people around the world so you know this in opens up a little bit of a can of worms and I, while i understand uh i and all of our listeners are i mean not all but the majority of our listeners are tech people um and they're going to be like well of course this is a good thing but there's a lot of people that don't understand why it's a good thing. Um, and without me getting up on my soapbox, can you, why don't you get up on your soapbox? You tell us, wh why is it a good thing that we are defaulting to encryption? There's there's room on the soapbox for both of us, I think, JD. Um, but yeah, it is. It is <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because... Privacy is important, right? Governments around the world, um, most notably the U.S. government, but any government with with the means, which is more and more governments every day, would love to know what everybody is talking about. We've known for years now uh, that the NSA is was scooping up the contents of every message that was sent across the Internet and looking for things that might be of intelligence value. But it's not just the NSA that's doing this. You might say, well, I'm I'm a U.S. citizen. I have no problem with the U.S. government doing this. Okay, well, do you have a problem with the Chinese government doing it? Do you have a problem with the Russian government doing it? Do you have a problem with the U.K. government doing it? Right? There's This is not, this is every government in the world would like to do this. And not just to their citizens, but everybody globally. So it's it's important for us to be able to say, to be able to have that privacy. And it's important for us because yeah. we need privacy to be able to express ourselves, to be able to live freely in, in democratic societies. Well, and I think that's an, a, an important point, what you said about China. Um, people need to realize that the internet doesn't stop at U.S. borders, right? If you're buying from, what is it, Timu? for example, you're buying from China. Uh, now, I'm not saying that China is a bad country. I Frankly, it's it's their country. It's up to their citizens to solve their problems, just like at the United States citizens, it's our job to solve our problems. Um, but I certainly don't consider them an ally. I mean, they're a competitor on the world stage. On the geopolitical stage, they are a competitor. Unlike, say, a Germany and a France who have kind of relinquished their overall top status in the geopolitical realm. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're not good countries, and that's not what I'm suggesting at all. It's just that in the, in the realm of, if you look at global superpowers, you've got two global superpowers and one that wish they still could be, and that's why they invaded Ukraine. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's important that people forget U.S. citizens, but people as a whole are able to communicate and organize privately. It, I mean, it, while insurgents and insurrection is illegal, I mean, the United States was founded on that. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's people. Exactly. I love how people like to get up in arms for. Yeah, people get up in arms about the criminal trespass that was January 6th. And I'm not saying bad things didn't happen. I'm not saying those people weren't stupid. But I'm also saying that the government is slamming the hammer down on these people for one specific reason. Our citizens or our country was created on the idea of what happened on January 6th. And our government doesn't want that to happen again. Now, I don't agree with them. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not unhappy as a whole. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm I am uh, definitely not a, a uh, tr- you know, definitely not a, uh, a, a supporter of January 6th. But I will say that governments, much like tech companies, only sure. like revolutions Agreed. and overthrows and stealing when it supports them. And as soon as they're in power, though, we you know, we we can't oh. let those things happen. Right. They'll that's it's 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 all part of the myth making. Right. And as long as it's part of their myth making, it's great. But if you want to actually do it in real life against them, right? No way. Um, but I, 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 but I think it's important to keep in mind that this is the, you know, and I don't, I don't want to fearmonger about China. China is just another nation, right? That's no, you know, no better or worse than the U.S. necessarily. Yeah, no, that's. But I think that if, no, even I, I for people, use any country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was the one who said China, but even for people in the U.S., I think this is important because we we now realize that. What you think is legal today, let's say, you know, or what you thought was legal yesterday, let's say abortions, might be illegal tomorrow, right? And and we are not on as on as steady of 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 a ground as as people might think. So like, at some point, the things that you've done that you thought were legal might be something that you want to hide. And you know, this is I'm I'm really glad that that Meta rolled this out, right? Um, if they had rolled it out a year ago, maybe they could have protected this woman in Nebraska who was prosecuted for uh, an abortion based on messages uh, that she sent over Facebook Messenger that police were able to get from yeah, Facebook. Yeah, this is interesting. And before, and that's actually a very... Right. And and I want to touch on that. But first, let's let's back up to the announcement itself, because I think that there's an underlying issue with what Meta said. And don't take me this the wrong way, because I really do want to get into that. Uh, in their announcement, Meta said this means that nobody, including Meta, can see what's sent or said unless you choose to report a message to us. Is this really true? Now, I believe it's true in theory. The issue here, I, I want to trust Meta. I want to, I want to say to myself that WhatsApp's actually encrypted and they can't read the message unless I report it because it's abusive or scam or whatever. Uh, but there's a couple of things here. One, I've dealt directly with Meta's intellectual property infringement, and they're largely morons who do not know how. Intel, you know, property infringement, intellectual property infringement actually works uh, largely because I guess that they're not, you know, they're probably employing, you know, 10. Well, agreed. But there's but if you are employed to enforce intellectual property infringement, you should know how it works. Right. I mean, 
that's just the fact of it. And I doubt they're yeah, even employing people in the United States. <laughs> okay. Um, and I also, I mean, Meta's whole model is to sell personal information. Uh, how long does this, and I know I'm being very hypothetical here, but how long does this last before Meta realizes that people are starting to conduct business only on encrypted messaging? Uh, they start to create their own encrypted chat. And right now it's one-to-one, but in theory it will extend to group chats. Uh, all of a sudden it, it kind of eliminates the need right. for their Facebook marketplace. Uh, how long does this actually last? How long do we get to celebrate Zuckerberg is actually doing something that's not manipulating and tearing apart the psyche of young teenage girls? <sighs> Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of problems with meta. Like I am not a, a fan of the company. I think that in this case, this is a case of sometimes bad organizations do good things, right? I think that this is a case of messenger is a value add for meta. And, and this is a way that like, I think that some very, I think some, you know, there are good people in any organization, right? There are good people in, in every corporation. There are good people in, in the government. Right. Um, and, and I think that this is a case of some people who really do care about privacy within Meta working really hard, uh, to get this change rolled out. And I'm, I'm very happy about it. Uh, and, and. I don't have any reason to believe that there are any like back doors or anything like that um, uh, currently, right? Like the the signal, it, it's still based on the signal protocol, which we know is is good. like you can't, you know, they they don't have your keys, so they couldn't be sending a copy of your keys to the U.S. government or something like that. Um, I don't think that this is going to have a huge impact on Meta's bottom line. Like, I think people are still going to keep using Facebook Marketplace because it's just a better UI for selling stuff. I, you know, people are still going to keep posting to Facebook, right? People are still going to keep posting to Instagram, which are, you know, they're bigger drivers of income anyway, right? Like, right. I, I think that, I think that all of those things will continue to be profit centers for, for Meta. And I'm, I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're worried about this change at all. What I do think could come and and sorry, what what I do think could come and harm this is no. things like um, the the UK uh, bill, which which would mandate client side scanning, and other bills like the US has tried to introduce this bill a few times um, that would mandate weakening encryption. And I think that that's if if Meta caves to that pressure and starts and starts introducing client side scanning or starts you know, weakening encryption due to government requests. I think that that's what would, you know, tear down this, this, uh, huge win. And that's the, that's the bigger threat that I see. You know, it's interesting. I would agree with that. Um, authoritarians are going to authoritarian under the guise of what about children? Um, and that's actually, we see this pushback a lot. I actually watched a, uh, C-SPAN, uh, for those that don't know, that is the ability to watch congressional hearings where Zuckerberg was being interviewed by a bunch of uh, representatives. And I don't remember who this lady was, but 
I mean, she got up there and it, it, the amount of ridiculous, ignorant, backwards reading bullshit that came out of this woman's mouth as an elected official was astounding. And it basically boiled down to, you know, what about the children? Uh, and Facebook had, you know, Meta had all these statistics of all of the incidents that they actually intercepted. And, you know, she was just like, well, what about all the others? And I mean, the, 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 the insanity of this woman was just profound. Um, and I don't want to get into this part of it because, well, actually I do want to get into this part of it. I'm getting on my soapbox, damn it. Uh, so the government said, Government, some government officials said, have warned the feature could hide illegal activity by child predators. Fair. That it, you're absolutely right. It could. Then be a fucking parent and don't let your kids on Facebook. Um, as someone who is a parent, I know you're a parent. And I'd like to get your feedback on this. But someone who is a parent, I had two daughters. I went through the heyday of TikTok. and Not TikTok. Snapchat. And... <laughs> um, Instagram and all that shit with teenage daughters and an ex-wife who was more interested in my teenage daughters being able to socialize in the way that other young ladies were socializing than in the actual, well, I shouldn't say that. I should say she didn't understand the implications uh, until something happened that forced her to understand the implications. But Cooper, I mean, I'm not sure how old your children are. You don't have to share that if you don't want to. But as a parent, what are your thoughts on, you know, like, you, yeah, pe drug dealers, mobsters, sex traffickers who are already using encryption, by the way, <laughs> uh, probably through Signal or Telegram. Uh, what's your thought on government pushing back, saying that this kind of change can increase the risk to children? Yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully all of these really terribly people are using Telegram because it would make them easier to catch. Um, that said, um, <laughs> look, people have been doing bad things since the dawn of humanity, right? Like there have been drug dealers, mobsters, sex traffickers, um, pedophiles, right? Since Slavers. long before the internet existed, right? Since long before cryptography existed, right? All of these things have existed. And and cryptography doesn't doesn't make these things happen, right? Like and people still get caught even with cryptography, right? Like Cryptography mm -hmm. exists. Crypto really good cryptography exists, has existed for several decades now, right? We are still catching predators and child and, and, and human traffickers and drug dealers and mobsters and all sorts of terrible people. So cryptography has not prevented law enforcement from catching these people, right? Like, I think that that's a... I, I think that is absolutely a, a red herring argument, right? Like the argument used to be that, well, cryptography will, you know, protect terrorists. It'll let terrorists um, organize and, 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 you know, it'll let them uh, carry out attacks on America. Well, terrorists were able to carry out attacks on America just fine without cryptography, right? Like that's not, and we, and we didn't catch them and we didn't stop it. Right. Like that's not, that's just not the case. And we, and we, 
you know, the FBI presumably does catch terrorists, even though they're using cryptography, right? Like most, most crimes, like most, or not, I'm not going to say crimes, but let me rephrase that. Most prosecutions that the FBI gets on the left and on the right, right, of, of, of everybody are from informants, right? Like informants are still and have always been the bread and butter of law enforcement and cryptography can't stop an informant. Like that's just the fact of it. That's not how cryptography works. That's not what cryptography is supposed to protect against. Right. So like it's a, it's a red herring. And the argument used to be that, well, we got to circumvent cryptography because we have to stop terrorism. We have to be able to catch the terrorists. Mm -hmm. And that didn't really gain any traction. So they switched to this new argument, which is, well, what about the children? Right. We have to stop cryptography because we have to protect the children from CSAM. Right. Well, then we have to protect the children from predators. Well, it's not it's not going to right. the way you protect children from CSAM and from predators is through law enforcement work. Right. Is through finding those networks is through having informants. It's through and it's through educating your children. Right. It's through, you know, being a parent and through, you know, I don't. My my children are of the age where like they don't have cell phones yet. Right. They're not on the internet yet. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're too young for all of that. But my, my hope is that I can educate them in a, in an age appropriate and responsible way about the dangers that are out there and the things that they might start to face when they get online and hope that I can like build the relationship and instill the trust with them that they will, you know, talk to me about their online lives. Right. And, and share things with me and not feel like they have to keep secrets about what's going on online. And that I hope that I can build the, you know, um, for lack of a better term, street smarts, right. I guess we have to call it cyber smarts or something, but that sounds idiotic. Um, I, I hope that I can build the street smarts in them, right? That they know when they're being manipulated, right? That they know when they're being, you know, when, when somebody is creepy and that they feel comfortable coming and telling me that and that they, you know, know to halt communications with that person. Because that's, you know, pedophiles, the Catholic Church has existed for, you know, uh, 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 more than a thousand years, right? Like uh, pedophiles have been around for a long time. Right. People were being pedophiles long before the Internet existed, long before communications existed. Right. And they will continue to be pedophiles long after. And so, like, we we need to educate our children of the new, like, modes and methods being used. But the fundamental problem hasn't actually changed. Well, I mean, the Catholic Church has existed for, what, 1800 years and you're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I but I mean. That I mean, that's a good example, but let's be honest. I mean, it's not the Catholic Church, right? It's people, well, I'm, humans I'm, in general. There's a, a lot joke, of bad but yeah, it's, But yeah, it's... <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and I, I will say this, uh, since your kids are young, I wish you all the best with the greatest challenge you will ever face. I tried to do everything you just said, and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's, you know... Frankly, uh, being of an age where my kids are adults now, 18, 20, and 28, 
in my mind, children should not be allowed on on social media, internet, except as supervised until they're 18. The fact that a child, because a child can't legally enter into a contract. And what the government has done is said, well, there's so much money to be had here, so much manipulation to be had here, so much grooming and and education through misinformation that we can convince them to think a very specific way to give us more power, that we are going to allow children who can barely figure out how to put on their goddamn socks the right way to enter into a legal contract that allows them to join a situation where the entire world can access them without parental guidance, unless the parent chooses to. And most parents don't, which is why McDonald's is still in business. Right? So I I think think that's a really compelling (laughs) argument. Let me, but let me push back on it a little bit because I, I, please, I, I agree that there's a that there's a problem with like I mean, privacy overall, right? And like the fact that that children are being mined for data by corporations like Meta, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, TikTok, right? I think that I do think that's a huge problem, and I think that we need a national privacy bill that covers everybody, not just children. But in the case of parental supervision specifically, what if the parents or the supervisor are the ones that are grooming the children, right? In this case, what if those parents are abusive, right? What if those parents are, 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 you know, pedophiles or something, right? Something horrible like that. You got to think of the most horrible cases here, right? If the child is, is, is turning to social media to find resources to to help them understand that situation and deal with it and potentially get out of it right and they and they can't because their parents are the ones that are, that are you know the the source of their abuse right that that then becomes a problem right i think that that <clears throat> yes social media has given I... children a way to find ways out of those abusive relationships in a lot of cases, and I don't deny that it's also, you know, had um, negative effects on on all of us, right? And uh, you know, especially those I think effects are pronounced on, you know, more pronounced on people whose whose minds haven't finished forming. But I don't think that that I, I don't know if putting each, you know, putting it down to each parent is. I don't know if that's the right solution. I think that that could end up having more negative effects, especially on like, I mean, what I think of is, is, you know, queer children in, in red States, right. Who are trying to, to figure out what these feelings are and what they're dealing with. Right. Like, and, and, you know, trying to figure that out without their parents necessarily knowing, right. That they like, you know, that they're, they're worried, more worried about violence from their parents than anything else. Right. Like the, these are the, and and you know i i mean you could you could turn that around right and say i don't know you know a child who who wants to learn more about right wing politics right in in a and you know has has liberal parents right and is worried about reprisal from them like i don't know i think it's you know it's, i don't i don't want to make it like a red or blue thing i i you know but i think that well, they're not bad examples though of situations where autonomy, i do think we have to consider the autonomy of children um, so 
well, yes and no. Uh, but yeah, um, the there's a couple of, of things here. One, I don't think that we should uh, mix or muddy the waters here. I didn't say internet. I said social media. Hmm. Right. Those are, it, Social media is just something that runs on the Internet. I'm not saying we should ban kids from the Internet. Uh, I do think that there's a social responsibility of parents and a contractual responsibility of parents in that basically if a child who is under 18 wants to join Facebook, the parent has to agree contractually before the child does because a child cannot enter into a contract, not legally, except for social media. Right. So there's that there's that line. And and I think the reason that is important is because even though the many of those parents are still going to ignore whatever porn they're watching or or grooming that's going on, uh, at least then they don't have an excuse. I agreed as a parent to expose my children legally to this risk. OK, just like let's use uh, recently. Uh, a parent was convicted because their child got access to an unsecured firearm. And that is as it should be. A responsible gun mm -hmm. owner ensures that a minor cannot get access to the firearm. And as a gun owner, if my child gets access to a, gu a gun, I should be held legally liable, period, the end. Because it is my responsibility. I own every bullet from that machine and every rifle in the closet. So using that as an example, that that's what I'm really talking about here is an accountability of society to itself. We keep pushing this off. And then what happens is you've got one. I don't want to use red and blue because I think that there's a lot more muddiness in the purple, right? Than just saying, you know, a red state or a blue state. But you have authoritarians Absolutely. that basically say... Um, bless you. Uh, you have authoritarians that basically say it's okay. The government will protect you. The biggest lie ever told in the history of humanity. The government will protect you. Okay. The government exists to protect itself and its power. And every history book you've ever read will show that iteration every decade. So putting it back on parents and showing parents, look, if you want this to happen, fine, but you have to be responsible for it. I think that we would see a mass shift in society. Now, we've gotten completely off of the topic of encryption. So <laughs> I mean, but let's, I, I let's bounce back topic. here because I, I think, I, I think is, it's important. Go. I think it's a worthwhile topic. And I, I, I think that those, I don't think we're going to see the big shift that you hope we're going to see because most most people like who nobody can read all of the EULA the EULAs the end user license agreements that you click through every day every time you click I agree right if you if you had to read all of those it would somebody you could study, if you fixed them like 25 hours a day to read all of those now there is yeah we do need mm -hmm. to fix this. this is a horribly broken system that we have people constantly agreeing to contracts that they can't read we have children agreeing to contracts that like they shouldn't be agreeing to um and that's that's a larger problem that absolutely needs to be solved um and i think that that probably needs to be solved first because otherwise you're just going to have an, another button that parents have to click and not read right mm -hmm. but I also think that 
I hear what you're saying about social media and 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 ma- making parents responsible, but I think that the I think that there's, you know, another solution or you know, and I don't another solution that I think has to happen at the same time is is making social media less toxic in general, right? Like Facebook is, you know, or not just Facebook, many social media companies uh, have profited off making social media deliberately more addictive, right? And making it so that sure. you, you spend more time on there and get your dopamine hits and, and you know, get your little uh, um, um, Skinner box fix in, right? The sort of social media slot machine. And fixing that, I think, is so much is is also a necessary component of all of our mental health. Right. And I think that that will it help children, help adults, right, help everybody. Um, so I think that that's a I think that that's a big component except that can't be the, the solution is easy. I agree. And the solution is as simple as can be. Don't use it. But you don't you're have saying, to. But you're basically there, saying there don't nothing in society. You... Then no, I'm no. See, that is a fa- that's a fallacy. That's a bad argument because this, we are not saying don't participate in society. We are saying participate in society. Social media is not society. It's Kardashian's ass. That's not society. It's you must live up to this image of a woman or a man or whatever in between. That's not society. It is, in fact, a perversion, an illusion created by profiteering of society. Society is the fact that you and I are having a face-to-face digitally, but a face-to-face conversation. Society is that I can come to the Bay and I can say, hey, Cooper. I'm in the Bay for a conference. You want to get a beer? I'd love to meet you in person. That's society. Social media yeah. is I'm fucking afraid of the world, and I have such a low self-esteem, I have no choice but to get to my dopamine hit by pretending that I might someday have yet another follower or 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers. Or maybe I can be Kim Kardashian, and I can create a bar, uh, an entire empire off of all of these young ladies who wish they could have my ass, but they can't. That's not society. Society is intentional connection of human people, not bits and bites. I, I, I totally agree with you. hundred percent. Um, I, I do think though, that there is a lot of intentional connect. Like I, I think there's a lot of, of intentional connection with people that happens because of, or over or through social media. Right. I don't disagree that there's all of this horrendous shit. Right. And like as as social media has become, a, you know, a larger and larger corporate empire. Right. It's become a lot more of a one way, you know, broadcast advertising based conversation. Right. But like right now I've been following the, the Instagram account of a of a woman in Gaza and like seeing her everyday life and the and the things that are going on there and like have have. You know, I feel like I've created a connection that wouldn't have been possible, um, you know, in the era before social media. Right. I've met a lot of really good friends over Twitter. I've also spent a lot of time on Twitter doom scrolling and feeling like shit and wasting, you know, wasting a lot of time that I should have been (laughs) spending with my kids instead. So, like, I think that there 
but I've also met really good friends that have absolutely enriched my life and made me a better person. So like that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. So I think that there's, I think that there are good and bad aspects to it. I think a lot of the bad aspects to it are driven by, by profit, by, you know, capitalism. And so there, you know, that's, I'm really interested in, in sort of these, and we talked about this last time, so we don't need to go into again, but the sort of like smaller um, aspects of social media, right. And things like Valid and, and other new cool projects that are coming out. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all bad. No, no, nothing in the world is, right? But everything has a cost. And what you're defining as, is the exception to the rule, right? I mean, yeah, I too, right? I mean, I, I have met many great people uh, in a, uh, you know, a passion project that I'm in. Um, you know, we run a festival called Schooly Palooza. And this year we've brought on, you know, partners like Van Life Pride. We've brought on uh, Journal of Lost Time, Van Fest USA. And these are all great people. And I met a lot of great creatives. Uh, just a couple episodes ago, we had the co-president of South by Southwest on. Uh, and we just jammed about how important it is, especially in the relations of AI, that creativity be uh, flourished. And that caused us to create a whole creative partner program just for all these independent nomad creatives who are painters and artists and tattooers, tattooists, tattooers, you know, whatever it's called, right? So I don't disagree with you on that, but it's still the exception to the rule. Now, that part is a direct mirror of society. You get into social media, what, or you get out of social media what you put into it. And if you're putting crap into it, watching, doom scrolling, whatever, you're going to get the same thing out. But the problem is, is that, and I mean, without, here's another tangent. That's the problem with the education system, right? Because the education system is putting out dumb parents who focus on one thing, who educate dumb children, and they're all brilliant opportunities that are passing by because we don't make the right choices Mm -hmm. To help these people be better and make better decisions. I'm not saying right, because right and wrong is completely subjective. I'm talking about just better in general, right? But before we go off on this too far, because, I mean, we're already <laughs> over halfway through here. Um, and, I mean, the whole point of this this episode was, Meta does something good. Wait, that can't be true. <laughs> uh, but they actually did. Um, and we are talking about how this is going to piss off the government. My greatest thing about since the announcement, there's been a pushback by the government. Okay, first off, if the government starts pushing back, you should immediately ask yourself, so I should actually be doing this. Um, There are exceptions. I'm sure we can point to a couple of them looking, you know, walking to downtown San Francisco or downtown Seattle or even downtown Bellingham. Smoking (laughs) Uh, is a good example. Uh, But you do have to question because a lot of times it's not about what is better for society. It's about what is better for uh, government control. Um, But in the wider discussion, how do we deal with, I mean, does this move pit privacy against security? Right. I mean, there's a certain level of there's there's disagreement in the legal community of whether or not we have a right to privacy 
right? There is no direct amendment that says all persons shall have a right to privacy. There's some implied uh, consideration, like through the Fourth Amendment, for example. Um, yeah. What what are you, what is your take here? I mean, I the 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 first take is that privacy is a human right, as established by the UN Human Rights Council. Like it is a established human right. So yeah, it's yeah, not but isn't like Iran the, the leader of that? But no. <laughs> ah, we got a UN hater here. I see. I see. Um, I mean, look, the, the not UN hater, is uh, just strong skeptic. The UN is toothless, absolutely, but I do think that that the the human rights uh, provisions are quite good, um, and I I think it's interesting that the US was uh, I think one of only two countries that that refused to ratify the De UN Declaration of Human Rights. I think that's worth I think that's worth mulling over in 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 your listeners' uh, spare time. Um, but that said. Um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think that there is a trade-off between privacy and security, right? I really do think that that's a false dichotomy. That's the false dichotomy that the U.S. government tried to sell us after nine eleven, right? That that you have to sacrifice your your privacy for, uh, or you have to sacrifice your privacy, uh, you have to sacrifice your freedom uh, for security, right? And there's a really great great quote about that. <laughs> um, which which you can probably uh, uh, paraphrase closer than I can. I believe it has something to do with Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. Those who those who would uh, sacrifice liberty for uh, safety deserve neither. Something like that. Um, I I yeah. It's something. It, it I basically don't think... um, the cost of liberty is safety or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think it's a false dichotomy, right? Like encryption provides safety, right? It provides safety from uh, law enforcement overreach, right? It provides safety from stalkers, right? Like if I have a, if I have somebody at Meta who is, who works at Meta, who is, you know, say an uh, abusive uh, partner or an abusive ex or just a stalker or is out to get me for some personal reason, right? Now they can't read my messages either, right? Like that's, that's a good thing, right? Like meta, you shouldn't trust meta, right? I don't trust meta. I don't think anybody should trust meta. You shouldn't trust meta. And, you know, in a way, uh, this could be, you know, seen as them saying, yeah, we agree. Right. So we're going to encrypt all your messages, right? Like that's, I, I think it's completely a good thing. Um, and like, there's still, ironically, uh, a lot of metadata, right? Like there's still, even though the messages are encrypted, there's still all the data there about who you're messaging, what time you messaged them, right? What your, what your social graph is, right? Who you're friends with, um, you know, what sorts of things you're searching for, blah, 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 blah. All that still exists. And like, there's a reason that, you know, law enforcement, like typically, uh, uh, when they were doing investigations had gotten trap and trace orders and not wiretap orders, right? Because the, the, the information about who you called and what time you called them is often more useful to law enforcement than the actual contents of the message itself. Right. As, as what general, mm -hmm. 
I, I was about to say General Miley Cyrus. I can't, as, as, as somebody in charge of the NSA said at some point, we kill people based on metadata, right? Like we do drone strikes based on metadata. And I, I don't think that the federal law enforcement or federal intelligence apparatus is going to have any harder of a time because Facebook messages are now encrypted. Like that's all just fear mongering. Who's going to have a harder time is, is, you know, petty tyrants, authoritarians trying to prosecute people based on the contents of their messages, right? Local law enforcement and like stalkers and people like that. And I think that that's fine. I think that that's a fine trade-off for our liberty. So let's, and I don't, I, one, I don't disagree, uh, but there's a you know there's a consideration here there's two considerations that you made uh one was say domestic violence um or a uh, a queer child or i mean not even a queer i mean it could it could just be a teenage pregnancy it doesn't matter yeah yeah totally. um and you said that they won't they won't be able to read these messages so i think that's a false sense of security because a domestic violence, you know, a, a domestic someone in that situation who is the abuser, they're going to control the person's phone. They're going to tr- control the accounts. They're going to control. They're going to be able to see that. So yeah, what absolutely. ends up happening is the person, at some level, is going to have to escape the situation to find help. That's um, a that's a that's a completely now and then. Way. I I think what yeah, I was maybe so I think I don't want to get. I mean, was, don't. You're protected from somebody at Meta itself, right? Like there've been there've been you know multiple instances of people who work at tech companies deciding to spy on other people through their access to the tech. Oh yeah, every every single and big this, tech company has done it and gotten busted for it. Yeah, yeah, and this stops absolutely. that. This stops that specifically. It doesn't. It you're absolutely right. It doesn't stop. You know, most abusers are going to have access to your phone anyway, and it does not stop that. That's completely true. Um, and the only reason I bring it up is because, you know, if someone who's a little bit less technically inclined as you and I are that's listening, I don't want to give a, soft, a false sense of security. This this privacy that we are being provided to by Meta it is exactly what you said. It is privacy against interceptors, whether that be the exactly. federal the government in theory or Meta in theory between you and whoever you're talking to. This is not going to protect you from someone who controls your phone or can log into your Facebook account or your messenger account or whatever. It will not in any way protect you from that, uh, which is why things like disappearing messages are so important. Um, it actually will protect you. I, Wait, want, I have, to, I, one, you I have one technical some... nitpick. It will protect you from okay. somebody who can log into your Facebook account because your messages are it, it will protect your message history um unless they can also so your message history is protected by a pin um or by a private key that you upload to your mobile cloud provider google or apple or whatever um and without that the somebody who logs into your account won't be able to read those messages and also you'll you will see that a new account like a new account has has access to your messages and you could you'll have the 
ability to revoke that. So it's like, it's a minor technical point. Like if, if somebody has access to your Facebook account, they can probably also guess your six digit pin, right? It's probably, or like they probably also have access to your, you know, iCloud or, or Google cloud and can, and can get the, the private key to access message history that way. Um, it, but it's, you know, worth mentioning. I will grant that, but I mean, I will grant that, but you're also talking about a level of sophistication that most users don't have. They are going to click, remember my browser for 45 days or whatever. And frankly, as sure. sophisticated as I am, if you, if you can get into my phone, okay, that's the key. Oh. If you, you would have trouble yeah. getting into my phone, but if you can get into my phone, you've got WhatsApp, you've got signal, you've got, it, it's all there. Right. Yeah. If you I rely my on phone my or, phone, or biometrics and pin malware on it. Game over for sure. Yeah, for sure. So there, there's definitely I mean, we have to we got to take into account that even the smartest people are pretty damn lazy about this stuff. Right. So although the protections can be there, they likely will not be enforced. They will yeah. work. They, they will use the, you know, how do I not have to enter my password every time? This is annoying. Right. Um, but from a social construct, you brought up two points that I think are really important. One is this gal, I think you said Nebraska, uh, she was looking for a way to get an abortion. And at the time in Nebraska, it was illegal. Uh, I think they've since overturned that. Or was that Kansas? One of the, uh, one of the was... red states that blew, blew your mind. What? Yeah, I think Kansas overturned it. Texas recently, just in the last couple of days, relaxed their rules because there was a woman who needed one medically or she was going to die. Um, and and they pushed mm -hmm. back against that. But sorry, go on. No, I, I that's appropriate. But I think that people first, the government has no business telling me what I do with my body unless I am becoming to a risk to myself or others, which is, of course, the argument they use for abortion. Yeah. Um, that being said, even with that, exactly. people tend to forget that people have a Fourth Amendment right. Right? We also mm -hmm. have a presumption of innocence. And... <laughs> This It doesn't matter what topic it is. It doesn't matter if it's abortion. It doesn't matter if it's drug use. It doesn't matter if it's buying an AR-15 in Washington, which is illegal. Okay? You have a presumption of innocence, and therefore, no one has a right to your communications without a warrant, which is why encryption is so important. Because one of the things that this will do, and Cooper, correct me if you don't agree with me here, one of the things that this will do is reduce the amount of information that even Meta collects, that anybody can collect, to sell to law enforcement for them to violate your Fourth Amendment. Exactly. There's a big <laughs> problem right now with... Um, with law enforcement buying data from data brokers and using that as a way to circumvent the Fourth Amendment. Um, it is a huge issue. And, and yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is cutting off a, a you know, one of those potential streams of data, right? Like you, like you said, you know, this is the only thing that this, that this really protects against 
is dragnet surveillance of the contents of communications, right? Uh, over mm-hmm. messenger, right? That is, that is really the threat model. And that's like, that's a good one. That's a big one, right? Like that's basically what the entire Snowden revolutions were about. Right. So like big one, good on them for solving it. Right. But it won't, this won't stop metadata from ending up in the hands of data brokers, right. Through, you know, through companies like meta. Right. Um, And this won't stop law enforcement from buying that metadata and using that as a way to get information on people that would have otherwise required a warrant to get. And what's important about that in, 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 I don't care who you vote for. You're all guilty. Um, <laughs> this, no, it's especially not, I mean, you're younger than I am, but I mean, the generation that's a bit before you, I see this all the time is like, fuck it. They did it. Fire them or whatever. Right. It's like, you don't know that they did. We just had an entire thing about it with George Santos. Right now, don't get me wrong. I think the guy's a grifter from day one. I think his whole purpose was to figure out another way to make money and scam people. Okay, how I dare do. you talk that way about the first astronaut to land on Mars and the first <laughs> member of the Supreme Court? Wait, I thought that was, that was Trump. Gay. Wait, no, Trump was the first astronaut to land on Mars, wasn't he? I mean, that's why it were, that that's why Mars is red, right? They couldn't handle all his orangeness. <laughs> it was too much. The sun reflection, the sun reflection off of Trump just burned the soil and destroyed the atmosphere of Mars. It's why we need special technology to get there because it's gooder and greater, right? It's the bestest. He couldn't believe it. He's putting a golf course on it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's oh my God. <laughs> but back to point, George Santos. You keep track of all of the grifters in politics. It's just... It's really a haven for them. Well, it's simple. Look at look at who's in politics. They're a grifter. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, the, the the problem with George Santos, even though I do believe personally that he was guilty based on my reading of everything that happened, including the ethics report. Okay, he was not convicted. He deserves a level of innocent until proven guilty. It, and frankly. The people, not all of them, because I'm sure some of them voted against it because they're just as guilty as he is and they didn't want to be next. But a lot of people that didn't vote for that expulsion recognized the danger and the precedent they were setting. Because guess what? Eventually, we're going to have a three-party or a single-party control of the government again. And it may be red, it may be blue, it may be green, it doesn't matter. But the moment that happens... You're going to start seeing expulsions based on ideology versus fact versus guilt. And that's a serious problem. I mean, I think that that would, I think that that was, I think we're heading in that direction anyway, regardless of whether George Santos got expelled. I mean, he's pretty clearly a, a uh, compulsive liar, right? So like, I think. I'm sure. not, I don't, but he's still innocent until proven guilty. Yes. As we all are in the American system, but this isn't prosecuting him of a crime. This is saying you're unfit for office. I agree that that's, that <laughs> I think we're going to head toward expulsion as a political weapon. And I think that that's super dangerous. We're off track again. 
But while we're here, we I want to ask, did, um, did anybody ever you find it. out <laughs> what was up with that baby that George Santos was carrying around? Did like, did that baby make it home? Is that baby? Okay? I did not. I did not. Was that, I didn't. I didn't read anything about it. Was that? Uh, I hope so. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll I'll give George Santos this: if he continues to play the game correctly, he's going to be rich. He's going to get everything he wants. And he is not going to give a shit because there are a few things that he said that are absolutely accurate. I'm not the only one here doing this. I'm just the current target. Oh, God. which is if one he, of the reasons they expel, to, expelled him. If he wants to spill the beans on every other member of Congress, man, critical support for George Santos. Like, please do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I will change my vote if he's willing to be transparent and honest. All right. So we're short on time here. A couple of last things. Um, we did talk about data brokers. A good point is why does this violate the fourth amendment? Why, how does Sheriff Joe Bob hunting poor Susie, who's pregnant, who needs an abortion and buying the data of her Facebook or cell phone calls or whatever from a data broker to chase her down and arrest her for female health why does that violate the Fourth Amendment, regardless of states' yeah. rights? To be clear, that, that that specific scenario has not happened yet, but I am still very concerned that it right. will. Yes. Right. I um, was being hypothetical. But, but yes, yes, yes. Um, but the, the reason that that violates the Fourth Amendment is, so the Fourth Amendment is the right of people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects, right? And, and you know, basically, uh, uh, I think, you know, you can interpret that as the right of people to be secure in their in their houses and in their information, right? And, and to get this information, you, from a company, right, or from a person's house, you would need a warrant. That is clearly enshrined in the Fourth Amendment, mm -hmm. right? But there's just this this loophole, right, because of the society we live in, where like, oh, well, if you bought that data, right, that's a that is a we can't stop law enforcement from buying things. Right. That's a capitalist transaction. That is the, the bedrock of this country. Right. Like so. So it's allowed this loophole where you're not searching the person's information. You're not searching their papers or effects. You're just buying it. Right. And that. And, and and so far, courts have, in our opinion, wrongly ruled that that does not constitute a search. Because, so and, and actually, so there's also, oh, sorry, the other, the other aspect of this is uh, something called the third party doctrine, which is a, a doctrine of law that says if you gave your information to a third party, right? To a, to a company, right? To any other, you know, whatever, right? You have revoked any expectation of privacy that you might have for that information, right? Because you consented to give this company that information and they can do what they like with it. 
First of all, I think that that law is, or that do doctrine, uh, is is horribly outdated, right? And doesn't doesn't really jive with the modern system whereby we are constantly giving information to third parties without our knowledge or consent, right? Um, and and so I think that that's that's the other sort of legal underpinning here, and I think that that really needs to be reexamined by the courts and judges, which. You know, it would be helpful if there were more people in, in federal government, in courts, in, in, in judges who understood more about the technology, right? And that's one of the other problems we're facing is that a lot of people in, in government, a lot of people uh, uh, in power don't really even understand uh, the, the current state of technology and what's going on at that level. And actually, you know, I was going to come up with a metaphor that would um, but regardless of that, you just touched on it. It's legislation. It's the people in charge. Um, and while I do think that, if I were to be honest, I think there's a lot of people in charge that mean well. I think that there are good people in government. Um, I think it's there's, overshadowed there's by those who, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think it's overshadowed by the few that are either power seekers or uh, they're ideologically flawed. I mean, just take, was it Tuberville that was holding up the um, uh, promotions of military? Um, he was holding those up. And one of the reasons he was holding it up because of afterbirth abortion, which mm. we don't even need to get into it. But, you know, just things like that. You, you have yeah. true literal morons in government culture war landmines can we step in and yeah i know i mean it's it's ridiculous but i do think it's important to recognize that if you're a policy hawk let's take hillary clinton okay she was a lawyer is a lawyer for decades she's a total policy hawk mm -hmm. uh she's not very charismatic <laughs> and the idea like when the whole email scandal came out, she had an email server. Mm -hmm. I bet you dollars to donuts that she had no fucking idea what anybody was talking about. What she said was, is like, all I did was hit sand. I thought Billy Bob was going to get it while he was having time with his mistress. She doesn't know. It was up to her political operatives to know. Right. It was them who set it yeah. up because the woman is in her 70s. I have there's not a lot of 70 plus year old people who are particularly technical, technically savvy. Yeah. yeah. So how do I we mean, fix also, you know, that problem? Right. I mean, uh, uh, just to add to the problem, uh, we you know, we know that politicians love to use. Uh, um, you know, non-official, uh, non-official communication channels all the time, right? Politicians love to use things like WhatsApp and Signal and and disappearing messages and you know, meeting in person mm -hmm. in in the bottom levels of parking garages, wearing trench coats for some, um, you know, deep throat <laughs> action or whatever. Um, but it's 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 yeah, it, you know, Hillary Clinton is is far from the only politician um um you know oh sure i wasn't picking on hillary it was just such a, a broad <laughs> or publicized yeah, thing yeah, no no yeah, oh totally it's the thing that everybody's heard of I, I i didn't think that you 
Hitler. And I mean, you know, whatever you, how can you pick on somebody that powerful? But I mean, it's, it's, um, I, you know, I, how do we, how do we solve that? I, um, you know, I mean, I have some anarchist ideas about how we can solve that. Um, you know, um, but short of, um, not, you know, short, short of that. Right. I, I think that they're, you know, I'm my, my, my job is as a public interest technologist, right. To be a, which is, you know, kind of what it says on the tin to be a technologist, but instead of, um, you know, the mission of enriching a company or with the mission of, um, you know, making sure our missiles get delivered with more accuracy to kill a higher number of children. Um, my mission is to support the public interest. Right. And so I think that there's, and there are many mm -hmm. ways to do this. And one of those ways is going and working it within the government and educating our, our, the people in power, policymakers, judges, politicians, political staffers, right. Um, what, you know, about technology, right. And, and telling them, right. What you think, right. Like we live, we live in a nation of lobbyists, um, but, and, and lobbyists hold a lot of power mm -hmm. within Washington, DC, but we can lobby too. Right. We can also yes. contact our representatives and, and, you know, more accurately contact their staff and, and tell them what we think, right. And tell them how we think they should vote. Right. You can go, if you have a lot of spare time, you can go take a meeting with your congressional representative. Right. And, 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 you know, try to help them understand things that you think they they should understand. And I, I think that people underestimate how powerful that is and how effective it is. Um, because it can be really effective, right? Like, especially if you can convince you know, staff uh, and I'm going to close like, in that person's office. I think people underestimate how how much voice staffers have. Uh, I agree with you, and I'm actually going to close with a statement about that. Uh, I watch a YouTube channel called uh, Sociology One One Nine, and it's the sociology professor that puts all of his. Uh, lectures live on, on on youtube and he's fascinating because uh while i am not a republican or a democrat i i i have very uh liberty-based views um one of the things that he was talking about and this is why this is important you said you know participate with your government and a lot of people think to themselves you know i don't have any voice well have you tried expressing it and what he was talking about is it only takes one person, one person can implement a massive change in the way you live your life. And the example that he put was the reason we have to take our shoes off of in the airport is because one individual out of how many other people in during a day that travel, one person was stupid and asshole enough to have a bomb in his shoe. Okay, one person changed, indescribably irritated an entire nation and an entire world that visits because one guy who likely had the education of a fourth grader, could barely speak English, 
can't read at a level above fourth grade, has zero comprehension of the impact of what he was doing, got convinced that he was going to go and have 72 virgins in the afterlife by putting a bomb in his shoe. One person. Now, that is not any way have anything to do with Islam or, Muslim, or, or the Muslim community. This is about one idiot did this and changed the world for everybody. And as a closing, Cooper, how can our listeners support the EFF? You guys, in my opinion, are the second most important nonprofit in the United States. What's the first most? It's the uh, bring water to the Navajo Nation. No, oh, I'm not. I'm not going to push back against that at all. Uh, water is life. Meaning with <laughs> Um I, uh, yeah, so, the, but the way that people can support EFF, so we are member supported. Most of our uh, yearly budget comes from the donations of our members. We don't get government money. We don't get a lot of corporate money. We don't take any money from Meta. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, we, we um, you know, we're, 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 we're mostly supported by our donors and that allows us to remain independent. That allows us to keep fighting big tech corporations as well as the government, the FBI, the NSA, um, and allows us to keep doing our job. So you can go to EFF.org and you can donate and become a member, uh, becoming a member, even, you know, even for $20 a year really helps us because then when we go to Congress, we can say we represent, you know, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 people. Right. And the higher those numbers are, the more voice we have in Congress, which is really good. You can also check out act.eff.org, which has, um, various uh bills that we want you to contact your senators or your you're not just your senators your 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 representatives about at any given time and on that website uh we have we made it really easy uh for you to be able to call or email um your senators about specific bills so check that out as well and that's that's a, those are both great ways for people to support our work All right. Well, this has been Cooper Quinton and JD with More Than a Refresh, a podcast about data and the people who wrangle it or conversations with the most interesting people you never met. Please, folks, support the EFF. It may not seem important, but they're doing a lot of work for you without a lot of thanks. And cut. Hey, folks, I know we just closed out the episode with Cooper, uh, but this was one was uh, particularly close to my heart. And I think it's it's a really important thing to consider. You know, Benjamin Franklin, uh, who you should have learned about in school, and if you don't, look him out. But he's he's an important figure, and he said, at the beginning of this great nation, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Think about that just for a moment. The next time you decide your right. And you are going to put some rule on somebody else, how they can live, who they can love, or who they can worship.